Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. But we're in a series called The Names of God. Uh, before I get into it, my name is Jordan. If this is your first time, I want to also say welcome. We're so glad that you're here this morning. We hope uh, that you're enjoying yourself. We hope that you feel welcome. I would love to meet you afterwards uh, in the lobby. Uh, we hope you're enjoying yourself. And then also want to welcome those watching online. Uh, we hope all is well. We know a lot of people are traveling on Memorial Day weekend, so we hope you're being safe and we hope you're not getting too sunburnt on the beach. Come on, somebody. And uh, we're grateful for you. We're a little jealous, but we're grateful for you. Um, but no, we're, we're, we're excited about this series as we kind of just been going through some of the names of God. And uh, before I get into it, I do want to take a moment and just, you know, just, just talk to you here for a second. Uh, don't we have such a great team here? So many talented and gifted individuals. I mean, so grateful. I'm so grateful, you know. I'll just talk to you for a second. You know, we got the worship team, and you know, we got the singers and the players. And if I was the one up here singing, you would have left. You know what I'm saying? Praise God. So grateful for them. And then we have Kenny up here at Fit, and then that shirt, like somebody about to kill somebody. You know what I'm saying? That brother be looking huge up here, preaching the gospel. Come on, somebody. Then you got Grant and Brittany. You got Grant just looking good, and Brittany coming in here preaching about provision. Come on, somebody. I was like, take my money. You know what I'm saying? We're so, I'm so grateful. God's got such a, give, given us so many gifted and talented people, and they're using their giftings and talents uh, for the Lord and for the kingdom and to reach our city. And, you know, again, I, I hope that you plan on being a part of our church and would love to use your giftings and your callings as well because we believe that as we come together as one body, the, the greater unity we have, the greater impact we can have in our city and beyond. Amen. Uh, so that's our heart. Uh, but I'm not going to preach about that today. Uh, I'm just grateful for our team, and so all the teams, Kids Church and Parking Lot and all the production and all the teams that we have, so grateful for all of them. But uh, we are talking about the names of God, the names of God. Last week we talked about Jehovah Jireh. Uh, today I want to talk to you on the name uh, that I believe is very important, but you know, a lot of people know the Father, they know the Son, and they know the Spirit. They know the na- those three names of God. And those three names are obviously big names of God. But there are all throughout the scripture, all types of names that are mentioned of who God is. And I said it last week, and I'll probably say it every weekend as we go in the series. You know, a lot of times we get nicknames. You may be named Jimmy, and you may get the nickname Jim. You know, and that may be a nickname, but that nickname does not represent who you are. It's just what people have called you. In the Bible, God has all these other names that people call him, but these are not nicknames. These are actual, actually his names, ones that literally who he is and who he represents and what he does for us. And so Jehovah Jireh, it's not like, oh, that's a nickname. Yeah, he's our provider. No, he is our provider. It's who, it's who he is. And today I want to talk to you about the topic of the name Jehovah Ra. Jehovah Ra. And you may be like, oh, I know what that means. You may say, I don't know what that means. Either way, I'm glad that you're here and willing to be a part of what we're talking about today. And really, Jehovah Ra means Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And, you know, in Psalms chapter 23, really where we get our text from what we're talking about, the Bible says in verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. This is David's writing here. He's writing a psalm. And absolutely, if you, actually, if you go back into the Hebrew, the, he actually says Jehovah Ra right here. This is where he writes. The only time in the scripture uh, that it says Jehovah Ra, which means the Lord is my shepherd. Now, us, us, uh, us English folks, we just changed it into the Lord is my shepherd. It says the Jehovah Ra, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This scripture right here is David. He's writing these, these scripture. And many believe, theologians, if you study this text, they believe that at this period of time, David had already been king. He had actually, in this period, what was happening is David is being, he flees his kingdom because his son creates a civil war. And his son wants to actually kill his father because his son wants to be king. And so David flees with some of his men. And David writes this text right here, these six verses. He writes this during this time. The first thing he says in the chaos of what's going on around him. He says, Jehovah Ra, the Lord is my shepherd. And he says, listen, he says, I want you to know, you even make a table uh, for my, around my enemies. And he says, he says all these things, he says, your goodness and your mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And here is what I know. The scripture oftentimes in the text for the New Testament and the Old Testament talks about God being our shepherd. How he is a shepherd to you and I. And he is a good shepherd. I love that we sang this song today. You are good. Good, oh, you are good. You know, not doing that today. I can dance better than I sing, you know what I'm saying. Not really, can't dance either, praise God. I can just run my mouth, you know what I'm saying. I just preach. And what's happening is, is we, we have to understand the text of, like I said last week, you know, in order to really, to really relate to God, we really relate to God based on how we see God. And so if we see God as this person that doesn't provide for us, what happens is when we need provision, now we go to him in this begging mindset. And it causes us to not understand, no, God is desiring, one, to provide for us, but also it's a promise like we talked about. And then this week we're talking about God is our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. If we see him as an evil shepherd or a bad shepherd, or the Bible even talks about hirelings, someone who is just hired to watch over the sheep, then what happens is we can relate differently than how we're supposed to. And I believe this, the way we see God is how we relate to God. And we have to all know the Lord is a, our shepherd. Not only is he our shepherd, he is a good shepherd. The scripture says in John chapter 10 and verse 14, it says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I laid down my life for the sheep. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I know my sheep. He said, and my sheep know me. He says, just as the father knows me and I know the father. Then he says, and then he goes further. He says, and I laid down my life. For the sheep. In Psalms chapter 23 and verse 1, very quickly as we talk kind of about the good shepherd, the Lord, Bible says that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is not a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. What does this show us about the Lord being a good shepherd, about Jehovah Ra? This is, this is the first thing I know. It's that we understand the concept of this, and that is this, that he knows me. The Bible says, Jesus says, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. God is a good God. Why? Because he knows us. 
You know, in the, in the biblical text, what they're talking about is when, G, when, when David is writing this, what they, he, he was actually a shepherd when he was a child. Many of you know this. And what he would do is he'd watch over the sheep. Now, shepherds, what they would have to do when they're watching over the sheep is every day, evening time, they would evaluate each sheep or each, each lamb or each sheep. Okay, they would evaluate what they would do is when I say evaluate, they wouldn't just look and say, okay, you're good. Okay, you're good. And kind of look at the crowd of sheep and say, okay, they're good. No, they would legitimately, every one of them, they would take a side and they would, they would evaluate them. They would look at their eyes. They would look in their ears. They would rub their hands on their legs and their bodies to make sure there was no scars and no wounds and no hurts and no, no, uh, no stickers or pricks or anything that could keep them from really functioning. They would check their hooves and their, their feet to make sure everything was good. And so with every one of them they would check and here's what would happen is the shepherds would know the sheep so well that in a crowd of sheep the shepherd could pick out what sheep they needed to go evaluate the sheep could be there could be a hundred sheep but they would still because they know them knew them so well that they could still know exactly which one it was this is God speaking to us about who we are in a multitude of over seven billion people he still knows us individually not only does he know us individually he examines our hearts and our lives and he checks for things in our lives of imperfections or flaws or wounds. Why? Not because he's trying to come against us, but because he's trying to look after us. The shepherd never looked for wounds and looked for flaws because they, he wanted the, the sheep uh, to be cast out. You know, in biblical text in the Old Testament, what would happen is many of you know that they would take these lambs and they would take these lambs as sacrifices. Now, the biblical text, if you know the scripture, is that the lambs had to be perfect. If they were going to have us be sacrificed for repentance, for forgiveness, these lambs that they would take would have to be perfect. They would check these lambs. They would actually set these lambs aside that they would knew that would be sacrifices. They would set them aside and they would watch over them carefully to make sure that there was no imperfections. And they would bring these lambs to the, to the, to the priest and then the priest would examine them, make sure there was no imperfections. Spotless, if you will. If the lamb checked out correctly, then the lamb was considered a, 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 a pleasing or accepting sacrifice for forgiveness. Now, here's what's cool about this. Let's talk about he is my shepherd, Jehovah Ra. Here's what's cool. Okay, so Jesus and God, he saw that we have imperfections. He saw that none of us are perfect. He saw that we, the Bible says that we have all fallen short. And so what he did is he said, okay, now I need to send a flawless, spotless lamb to take their place, a final sacrifice, if you will, that can take their place so that then now they can be seen as righteous because now I see them through the blood of Christ. So now, that's what we know, Jesus lived a sinless life, he gave his life for us, and so now because of his sacrifice, now we are seen as righteous because of God. And so what does this show us? It shows us now we don't have to be examined in a way, are they going to make it or not? Because these lambs, if there was imperfections, they would be pushed aside and they would not be in for use of what they were intended to be useful. So for you and I, a lot of times when we have imperfections, what can happen is we have flaws, we have insecurities, we have pasts. And what can happen is it can cause us to think this, I'm not qualified for what it is that I believe God is asking me to do. I'm not qualified to be remarried or I'm not qualified to have that job or I'm not qualified uh, to worship or I'm not qualified to pray or I'm not qualified to have lead a small group or be a part of a group. I'm not qualified. Why? Because of the imperfections or, or, or flaws or insecurities in my life. And here's what Jesus did. He says, no, no, no. I don't come and examine you in a way to cast you out. I come and examine you and, and value you because I know you because I want to heal you and I want you to understand that you're loved for who you are and where you're at. Does that make sense? He's a good shepherd. 
He knows me. He knows you. He knows you exactly where you are. And I love this because the shepherd would check for wounds. You know, all of us in this room and watching online, we've all had wounds. We've all been wounded and we all hide these wounds that we normally don't just share with other people. Well, here's what God does is God's a good shepherd and he sees that and he desires for us to come to him with those wounds. Why? Because he wants us to know that he can be our true healer in those areas of our lives. He's a good shepherd. He knows us. He knows you. Why? Because he's a God that the Bible says he knows the number of hairs on our heads. He knows us so well. He knows exactly how many hair on our heads. Some of y'all, that's a lot. Some of us, not so much. Praise God. But he knows each one of us. And so what does this show us? It shows us a picture of he's a good shepherd. He's not a shepherd that just says, go figure it out. No, but he's a God that literally knows us and knows our imperfections, still accepts us for who we are. Why? Because he's a good shepherd. He is a good shepherd. Psalm chapter 23 and verse 2, it says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides still water. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides still water. I believe this. He's a good shepherd, Jehovah Ra. He knows me, but also he's a good shepherd because he gives me rest. He gives me rest. Many of you know the scripture in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. It says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. You will find rest for your souls. You know, when we talk about rest, oftentimes we think sleep. But in this text, what David is saying, he says, listen, you lead me beside still waters. There's this place of rest and peace. And he says, he says I lie down in green pastures. It's not this life of chaos, but it's, it's this, these green pastures. And here's what you find out if you read about uh, shepherds and, and sheep. Sheep, in order to sleep, they have to be comfortable. Sheep won't sleep for four different reasons. They won't lie down and sleep. One, they won't lie down and sleep if they're afraid. If they feel like there's an attack coming, if they feel like there's an enemy, a wolf or something, that they will not sleep. They'll stay up all night because they're afraid. Also, sheep will not, will not go to sleep if there's friction that they feel between other, another sheep. Believe it or not, they will not. They will, if there's friction among them, they get nervous and they won't. They won't go to sleep. You can look this up. This is true. Then also, sheep won't sleep if there are flies or parasites or something agitating them. They they won't sleep. And not only that, they also won't sleep. I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget. They also won't sleep if they're hungry. So four reasons why they won't sleep. They won't sleep if they're afraid. They won't sleep if there's friction. They won't, they won't sleep. I wrote it down just so I don't forget. They won't sleep if there's flies and there's, there's parasites, if there's agitation. And they won't sleep if there's, uh, if there's famine. So here's, here's what's cool. The Bible says that he comes and he, he, he wants to give us rest. See, Christ came and he's a good shepherd and he wants us to know he gives us rest in four areas. He doesn't just make us sleep. He gives us rest in four areas. And here are the four areas I believe that can steal our rest. One is fear. If anything taught us anything in 2020, it was that fear can make us not rest. It will steal our rest. And Jesus came. He says, I'm a good shepherd. He says, I've laid down my life for the sheep. And so now I, we go to him and we understand now we can put our trust in him. And so we don't have to fear the things of this world. Why? Because we know he is a good shepherd and he will take care of us. Not only is it fear, but it's also friction. You know, there's nothing that can steal your rest quite like a relational tension. Y'all know I'm talking about you have relational tension with somebody at work and you just ponder it all day. 
like that little jerk. You know what I'm saying? All you can think about is, a, oh, you have relational tension between someone, a, a friend, or you have relational tension between your spouse, or you have relational tension between a daughter or a son, and there's this tension, and so you're thinking and pondering about it over and over. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It can steal our rest. Then not only that, but also not just friction, but also it, there can be tension when, when we're just, there's famine, when there's lack. When we need something in our lives, we ponder, okay, how am I going to take care of this? Okay, how am I going to pay this? Or how am, when there's lack, when we're, when we're if, like they would be hungry, when there's a lack, it can cause us to mentally be so caught up that we can't, we can't rest. Also, if we, if we have issues with, with sin in our lives, if the enemy's tempting us and we have the enemy's coming like flies, coming and like just smacking us with some of the shame and the guilt or some of the thought processes of our, of, our, of our past, here's what happens. It's hard for us to rest. Why? And I'm not just talking about going to sleep. I'm talking about resting and knowing who God is and who he's called us to be. Resting in our calling even. And so what are the four areas that he can steal? And the, the, he, he comes to try to steal. It's fear, it's friction, it's flies, and it's famine. And here's what I know about all four of those. The Bible says that Jesus came and he is a good shepherd. He is Jehovah Ra and he's come and he's defeated those. Why? Because he wants to give us rest in all those areas. He wants to give us rest. He wants to provide for us so that there's no, no lack. He wants to be a, a God that comes and we can trust in him and lean on him so that there is no fear. The Bible says that he didn't give us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. Why? Because he's a good shepherd. And so here's what we know. He comes to give me rest. He allows me to lie down and I'm able to rest and say, okay, God, I can trust you with my life. My life's not perfect, but I can trust you. Why? Because I know that you are a good shepherd. He knows me. Verse 2, it's not only does he know me, but he, he causes me to, to give, he allows me and creates opportunity for me to give me rest. Psalm chapter 23 and verse 3, it says he restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. He restores my soul. I love this. I love this. I love this. this term restored uh, oftentimes can be represented as refreshed. So a lot of times we can look at this and he says, David's saying, you go for me. You refresh me. But technically, in the, in the biblical text, in the, in the, in, if you go back into the Hebrew, this, this word restore actually means to be brought back to original intent. So what he's saying here is you restore me to the point of where you bring me back to the original intent of what you have called me to be and who you've called me to be in our, in our relationship. See, I love it in the scripture. We're talking about shepherds here. and We're talking about the good shepherd in Luke chapter 15 and verse 4. It says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. We all know the famous church song that everybody sings, you know, the night leaves the 99, I couldn't earn it. I don't, I don't know why I'm singing so much today, but praise God for that. <laughs> we all know the song. But really, this comes from this text right here. And he says, listen, I want you to understand, suppose there's the 100 sheep and one of them gets lost, doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go out to the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he would joyfully put it in his shoulders and go home. Oftentimes, we read this scripture and we think, okay, this is for people that are far from God. This is for people that have just strayed far away. And, oh, we're believing for the prodigal son or prodigal daughter. Or pro oh, yeah, that's just the prodigal. We're just believing and trusting. Oh, we're going to rejoice when they come back. No, this is us. This sheep right here is us. Do you know that sheep are one of the biggest or greatest animals that wander? They wander more than any other animal. If you let a sheep just go, even though there is a pack of sheep, here's what the sheep are going to do. And they're going to just start wandering off. 
Why? Because that's just what they do. And so here's what he's showing. Suppose one of them wander off. Suppose one of them gets mentally in a bad place with depression or anxiety. Or suppose somebody gets into a sin situation. Or or suppose they start to struggle and they start to wander. And the Bible says that we've all struggled. We all sin. And so here's what it is. We all have moments of wandering. And so here's what happens. Jesus is saying, I'm a good shepherd. Even though you wander, I want you to know I can restore you. I can put you back on my shoulders and I can carry you back to the place of where you originally was. It wasn't like he takes the sheep and now you're cast away and you're not a part of the group because of you You went straight away. No, here's what it was. I'm going to pick you up and I'm going to restore you back to the place that you once were. This is who God is. He's a good shepherd. We all make mistakes. We all fall short. And here's what it is. He restores us, meaning he creates an opportunity for us to be put back into the original intent of who he's called us and created us to be. But not only that, he creates original intent for us to be in right relationship with him. This is the God we serve. He's a good shepherd. And you know, it's interesting because oftentimes when we hear the word restored, at least me personally, I think of like old restored cars. Like, I don't know if y'all ever thought, think of that, like car, people are like, oh, I never thought about that. I'm sorry, that's how I think. Like you think of these, old, I think of these old cars, and some of these old cool car shows are really cool. Like you watch these car shows on TV and like there's this, they just take junk. And then they take this junk in a matter of 30 minutes. I mean, it's unbelievable. And, <laughs> and these guys are fast. In a matter of 30 minutes, they make these things worth like $100,000. It's unbelievable. And they're beautiful and they're shiny and they're pretty. And they're like, man, I could do that. No, you can't. <laughs> you know. And here, here's what's interesting. I often think of that. And here's, here's what I think. Like, it's crazy to me that when something is beat up and old and junk, it has no value. But then when it's restored back to its original intent, It's crazy to me these classic cars are worth more than new cars. These things were complete junk. Now they're worth more than if you go and buy something brand new. Oh my goodness, ain't this Jesus. He's a good shepherd. Here's what God does. See, what he does is he wants to bring us back to original intent to say now we're even more valuable. See, oftentimes we look at faults, at insecurities, at struggles, at things that we've, imperfections, and we look at them as now it's devalued us. In fact, those very insecurities and those past things and those hurts and those struggles that we've walked through don't devalue us. In fact, it makes us more valuable. Not in worth. Not in worth. You cannot, aim, gain, you cannot gain more worth in God's eyes. It's because of his son that we are worthy. Nothing we do will make us more valuable in our worth. But it does make us more valuable in our use. Here's what I know. I'm a pause. That's what we call a pregnant pause. We pause so you can like let it sink in your heart. You know what I'm saying. Here's what it is. See, oftentimes we look at imperfections and insecurities and past and shame and guilt. And here's what we do. Like, oh, man, like, yeah, I've been through so much. Like, I don't know if I should be able to leave a small group. I don't know if I could, I could do this. And, I, and here's what happens. God actually uses those things to help us even more so be an influence and uses us in those situations to help others who are walking through the same thing. 
It's unbelievable to me. It's crazy to me. You talk to somebody that's been divorced. I've not been divorced. My, my voice into somebody's life that's been, not been, has been divorced is not as strong as someone else's voice who's been divorced and made it through. You talk to somebody who's been addicted with drugs, and here's my voice is not as strong in that voice, but you talk to somebody that's been addicted to drugs and now is free from drugs, their voice is so much stronger. Why? Because here's what the enemy tries to do. The enemy tries to use our past to keep us down, to keep us feeling like we're not worth anything, to keep us feeling like we have no value. When God wants to use that very past to give us more value so that we can use it for his namesake. I love this scripture. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to get excited for a second. In verse 3, go back to verse 3 very quickly. Check this out. Check this out very quickly. Come on. Come on, verse three. Help me out. There we go. It, thank you. Appreciate it. Righteousness. I love it. It says, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The Bible is so specific. Oh, my goodness. It's so cool. This is what's crazy. It doesn't say he restores me for my sake. He restores me for his name's sake. He puts me on his shoulders and brings me back to my original intent. Why? Because he wants his name to be made great in my life. He wants to use my past to help someone else that's in the struggle. Why? Because he knows if he can restore us, he wants to restore them. And so now he wants to use us. Our value has not been devalued. In fact, our past makes our value even greater. He is a good shepherd. I'm going to preach to you for a second. Don't allow, hear me, don't allow your past or your problems or your struggles cause you to think that you now are disqualified for something. No, in fact, I believe our past qualifies for even greater. He allows us to be able to be used in even a greater way because he knows, he knows, he knows, he knows that there's people that are behind us, around us, that are walking through the same thing and they're looking for someone that can say, I got you. The Lord led me through it. Oh, my goodness, he can lead you through it. If he can lead me through it, my God, I'm so dumb. I know he can lead you through it. Come on, somebody. Just me? Praise God. Let's keep going. <laughs> Psalms chapter 23 and verse 5 says, Yea, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Jehovah Ra, he is... The Lord is shepherd, our shepherd. He is a good shepherd. He knows me. He gives me rest. He restores me. And then also he is with me. He's a good shepherd because he is with me. He says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. I love David. He's in a text here again. He's in a conversation with God and chaos is happening. He's fearing for his life, his own son, wants to kill him. And I love that David doesn't say, though I walk through the valley of death. David says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. See, shadows can be scary, but shadows can't do anything to you. I love that he uses this text of a shadow because shadows sometimes, you know, you're walking down the street, y'all, it's late at night, you know, you're walking to your car, all of a sudden you see shadows, you're like, ah, you know what I'm saying? The shadow doesn't do anything to you. Why? Because the shadow, there's no, there's, no, there's no strength in the shadow. It's, it's David showing us this. Even though I'm walking through dark times, through hard times, through struggles, I know this. God, you're with me. And God, you're walking with me. And your light is always greater than the darkness. I love it. I love it. I love it. It says they walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He knows, even though I'm walking through things, even though I'm facing death and some, someone wants to kill me, I know this. God, you're with me and you will not allow the enemy to win in my life. 
And here's what's cool about God. Even in death, he wins. Even in death, he wins. I love this scripture. We all know it. It says, oh, death, where is your sting? Death has no victory over us. Now, all of us, we all are somewhat nervous about death because it's like it's death. You know what I'm saying? But even in death, there's still victory. Why? Because now we get to enter into a place of perfection with him, a place where he has continued to prepare for us. Why? Because even in death, he wins. Why? Because he's with us here and he's with us in eternity. And so here's what David knew. Though I walk through it, God, you're with me. I will fear no evil. Then he says, I love it. He says, your rod and your staff will comfort me. The rod and staff, many of you probably know shepherds, they carry a staff, a rod. And it, what happens is it's for two purposes. One, the rod had like, a, had like a club on the end of it where they put their hand. And what they would do is if any animal would come and attack any, or a person even would come and try to attack the sheep or steal the sheep, they would take them and they'd like beat them over the head with the club. You know what I'm saying? They're just trying to beat people with the clubs. You know what I'm saying? And they would just, they would bop them, you know what I'm saying? They would either knock the animal out, kill the animal, whatever it was, it was their, it was their protection. And here's what God is, what, what David is saying. Even though I walk through struggles, even through, uh, though I walk through hard times, I want, I want you to know, God, that I'm comforted in knowing that you protect me. He is a God that is always protecting us. He is always looking out for us. God is a protecting God. You may be walking through something in your life and you're saying, I don't know how or what is going to happen. I know this. We serve a God who protects us from all lies of the enemy, protects us from all situations of the enemy. He protects us. Then they would use the staff. They would not just use it to protect. But they also use the staff to the, for the sheep that were wandering. Like I said, the sheep, they're wandering sheep. And so here's what would happen. Then the sheep started wandering. They would bop the thing on the head for the sheep and the sheep would be like Ugh, you know they'd come back to where they needed to go it, it's the same thing for you and I see God you, God wants us to know he's a good shepherd he wants to protect us he's with us he's with us to protect us but then also to correct us this is a hard thing for us to hear as, as adults. You know, as adults, you know, we think correction's kind of for children. And, but God is always wanting to correct us. Why? To keep us on the right path. He's always wanting us to evaluate who we are. I'm always reading the word. I'm always saying, God, speak to me. I, I pray it. Holy Spirit, speak to me about me. Where are you challenging me to, to get back onto course? Where have I mentally or physically, where have I gone off? I want you to speak to me. Why? Because I know that your correction is good for me. It helps me and it leads me to the place of where I know that you want me to be, but I know also I want to be. And so, God, I want you to protect me, yes, but I don't want just your protection. God, I also want your correction because I know your correction will lead me to life. Does it make sense? He's with me. He's a good shepherd. He's Jehovah Ra. Why? Because he is a good, he is a good shepherd. He is, the Lord is my shepherd and he knows me and he restores me and he, he gives me rest and he is with me. And then also in Psalms chapter 23 and verse 5, very quickly, you prepare a table before me in my, the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. I love this. It says, you prepare a table before, before the presence of my enemies. And then right into that, he says, you anoint my head with oil. Now, many of you know, um, you may know, you may not know what they would do as shepherds would do is they would take oil and they would pour oil on top of the sheep's head. They would literally pour, like dry, just douse, like completely consume the, the, she the sheep in oil. To the point of where there was so much of it that it would run over and it would fall to the ground. And here's what he's saying here. He's saying this, God, this is what you do for me. Why would shepherds do that? Let me explain. Flies, ticks, and parasites and things always are trying to get into sheep's eyes, 
get into sheep's ears, and then get into sheep's nose. And so what they would do is flies, what they do is they'll get into the, the ears or they'll get into the nose and they'll get, in the, and they'll get into the eyes and they'll fester and tr- actually nest in the sheep's brain, okay? To the point of where it starts to, it starts to get to the place of where it, it causes so much agitation to the sheep that the sheep end up just being worthless. And so here's what happens. He says, this is what we do. We pour this oil to protect you from these flies. Now, I love this because this, this is what David is saying about God. He says, you're a good shepherd. Why? Because you anoint my head with oil. Isn't it cool that Jesus said, I'm going away, but I'm going to send a helper. And that helper is the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes throughout the whole script, text of the scripture, the Holy Spirit is represented as oil, an illustration of the oil. And here's what I know. The Bible says that God comes and the Holy Spirit comes upon us. And the Bible says as the Holy Spirit comes upon us, now he's God on earth. Here's what I love. Now, he protects us from the flies and the darts of the enemy. It's interesting to me that the enemy will come. Y'all ever been just walking down the street or riding around the street, and all of a sudden you had this crazy thought process of a temptation? You had no idea where it came from? You ever been driving down the street and you had this negative thought about somebody? You have no idea why. You ever been driving down the road or in the gym and all of a sudden you're trying to bounce your eyes? You're trying to just I'm close my eyes. Why? Because the enemy's trying to always with our eyes get into our Why? Because he wants to get into our thought processes. If he gets into our thought processes, it gets us to a place where we begin to think different. If we think different, the Bible says we will live different. So here's what it is. The Holy Spirit comes and he comes upon us. Why? To be able to allow us to live a life free from the darts of the enemy. I love this. I love this. The Bible says, I love it in Joel and in Acts. The Bible says that in the last days, the Holy Spirit will come upon all. And he says, and your sons and your daughters will, will, will have visions and dreams. Here's what I know. I love this. I love this. The Holy Spirit in the last days will come upon. Now, isn't it interesting? The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, as we accept Christ, the Holy Spirit lives now, dwells in us. The Bible says in the last days, the Holy Spirit will come upon us, will be poured out on us. Actually, if you want to really want to read the text, it will be poured out on us. What does this mean? Here's what I know. The Holy Spirit in the last days, the enemy will be trying to attack and trying to destroy every believer. And so here's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He wants to come upon us and pour his oil and his protection on us. Why? So that, that way, the lies of the enemies that the people try to speak, we won't listen to, we won't hear. That way, the things that the enemy's trying to bring to our vision. And we see, no, we're not going to get straight away. We're going to keep our eyes on Christ. Why? Because we know God is on earth. God is on earth and he's the Holy Spirit. And here's what we know. It is to our advantage that he is here. Why? To help you and I. Bible says in the last days, the Holy Spirit will be poured out on all people. And then he says, in your sons and your daughters... I think this is so important for those of us that are parents. I'm going to be a parent soon. It's for those of us that are parents in the room. We should absolutely be praying the Holy Spirit over our children. We are living in times. Hear me, I'm just going to get real serious for a second. We are living in times like never before where the enemy is trying to destroy the next generation. The enemy is trying, because here's what he knows. If I can take a generation, I can, I can win. And so we as believers, hear me, if your child's two years old, if your child's 22 years old, we should, be, we should be continually daily praying the Holy Spirit to pour out his spirit on our children. Why? Because we know if the Holy Spirit's with them, he can do more than we could ever do in their lives. Nothing we say could ever compare to what the Holy Spirit can do in their lives. If you are a parent in the room, oh my goodness, I pray that you pray that the Holy Spirit every day would pour out his spirit on, on your children. It's so important.
I believe it. You know, I, I, we're, we're gonna be we're gonna be parents here soon, and many of you know our story. But you know, I've been recently not say recently. I've been doing it for a while now, but I've been praying like over our child, even though she's not born yet. And I just been praying things like, Lord, make her healthy. I've been asking God to make her healthy. Lord, make her smart. You know, what I'm saying I want a smart kid. I don't want somebody like me. You know, what I'm saying, like God, make her smart, please, God. You know, what I'm saying. I've been praying things like, Lord, give her influence, and I've been praying things of that nature, and Lord, let, let her not be a person that, that strays away. I, I'm, just, I'm, already, I'm just praying over her, and, and it, those things are important. Those things are important, but the, the Holy Spirit kind of quickened in my heart to pray those things, but to also start to pray that the Holy Spirit would pour his life on her, that the Holy Spirit would pour out on her. Why? Because I want the Holy Spirit from day one to be all over her life. I don't want it to be where she has to figure out one day. No, no, no. I want from day one when she is born that the Holy Spirit would be poured out on her life. Why? That the enemy would not be able to attack her. I don't want to just say, okay, yeah, Lord, I, I, I want her to be smart. No, first and foremost, more than her being smart, God, let her be filled with your spirit. Because I know if she's filled with your spirit and your spirit is on her, I know she's going to do great and mighty things for you. And she's going to live the way you called her to live. And that's the most important thing, not being smart. Being smart is great, but guess what? It's not the most important thing. Being a great athlete is great, but that's not the most important thing. Being a great uh, influence in people's lives is great, but that's not the most great important thing. The most important thing is, God, let your spirit be poured out on our children. Why? Because the enemy is trying to destroy our gen the next generation, and I know this. Oh my gosh, I know this. The enemy's not going to win. How do I know that? Because in the end, God always wins. I'm believing for something even greater. I'm believing that the next generation, we're going to see revival like we've never seen. I'm believing we're going to see thousands and thousands of middle school high school, elementary age, college students come to know Christ in this church. Why? Because we believe that God is pouring his spirit out on the next generation. I believe it. If you're a college student, I, I challenge you, in high school student, middle school student, if you're a student in the room, pray, God, pour your spirit out on me. And us adults, too, we need more of the Holy Spirit in our lives, too. But I, 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 I believe this. He's a good shepherd. Why? Because he, he did not leave us here on this planet alone. He sent the Holy Spirit, and he gave us the Holy Spirit. So now we can walk in relationship with him every single day. Let us not forget that, and let us every day go back to Holy Spirit. Pour your spirit out on me today. And watch God begin to do great things in our lives. Amen. Lastly, as we close today, Psalm chapter 23 and verse 6, it says, Surely your goodness and your mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's a good shepherd. He knows me. He gives me rest. He restores me. He's with me. He anoints me. And then lastly, his goodness follows me. His goodness follows me. It says, Surely your goodness and your mercy will follow me. Another translation says, Surely your goodness and mercy pursues me. And, you know, when I've read this growing up, I've always kind of had the concept of the thought process of, you know, his, his goodness kind of like follows me around or kind of chases me. And so it's like this catch-up process. And really, that's not what David's saying at all. You know, you ever follow somebody in a car, like you're going on a road trip, and you're, they're like, oh, yeah, follow me. And then they drive completely insane. You know what I'm talking about? Like they drive so crazy, and like they, they see a yellow light, and they still take the yellow light, and you're like, well, see you later. <laughs> they whipping around turns and like they're trying to make they're weaving in and out of traffic. You're like, mm, you don't want me to follow you. You're a jerk. You know what I'm saying? 
And oftentimes that's how we are in life. Oftentimes we're just driving around crazy. We can get caught up in doing things and we can run the yellow light. And so now it's like, oh my goodness, is his goodness and his mercy going to catch up to me? And that's not the concept of all, at all what, what David was saying. What he was saying is this. He's in a time period where he's running for his life. To the point of where he's so scared that he takes his men and they, they run to a completely different area in a different area, uh, part of their kingdom. And here's what he says. He sits down, he writes these six verses about God being his shepherd. And he ends the chapter, the book, the verses. He ends this period that he's writing with this. Surely your goodness and your mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Now, David, hold up a second. I'm going to be honest with you. Life don't look so good. It ain't looking so hot for you, buddy. Hate to tell you, like, you got some struggles going on. And, and a lot of times we could say, well, it, he, his goodness and his mercy wasn't good right there. Well, here's what David was doing. David wasn't saying, is his goodness going to catch up to me? David was saying, I'm looking back and I see his goodness all throughout my life. See, David was thinking about Goliath. David was thinking about when his family betrayed him and left him and, no, and rejected him and they asked everybody else to come and, and party with Samuel and David got left in the fields and was isolated by himself. And David remembered, God, even though my family didn't see me, you did. Then he was remembering, oh my God, it's all the lions and the bears and, all the, and Goliath and all these wars and God, all this chaos that I saw, all these battles. And yet, God, you still were with me. And I look back and God, you were there in every situation and every battle. Then he's thinking about his son who passes away. And he, he remembers his son and oh my gosh, what a tragedy that was. But yet God still brought him through that tragedy. Then he's thinking about how Saul, he was, Saul was wanting to kill him. And he, he had already been anointed king and Saul was trying to kill him, this king. And his leader was trying to kill him and he had to run. And he's remembering all these times where we would look in a situation and say, this ain't very good. But David was looking at it and saying, oh my goodness, I look back and God, I see your hand in every season of my life. Even when the eyes told me it wasn't good, God, you were still good and you were still there. See, he wasn't saying, God, you pursue me and God, you chase after me and God, you follow me. No, he's saying, God, I look back and I see the footprints of your goodness throughout my life and every step that I've taken. God, you were good. God, in every step that I take, not only then, but now, God, you're good. Even though everybody's around me saying I'm going to die and I'm being chased, God, surely you are good and your mercy will continue to lead me. Why? Because I look back and I remember, oh my goodness, you've always been good, even when it didn't look good. I want to encourage you for a second. I'm going to close. I know this, even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it, he is good. Why? Because he is a God that is a good shepherd. He loves us. Why? Because it's who he is. And so now we can look back through seasons. Think about it. Maybe you've been through a hurt. Maybe you've been through a wound. Maybe you've been through a struggle. Maybe you've been through a season where you couldn't provide. You look back and you're like, how in the world did I get through it? I don't know. But I do know this. Surely his goodness and his mercy is good. Oh, I 
want to encourage you. Oh, 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 oh. We serve a good God. You don't know what I'm walking through right now. Oh, you don't know what I'm believing for. Oh, you don't know how long I've been praying. Oh, I've been praying for this. I've been praying for 20 years. I've been praying. Oh, man, I don't know. I know this. I don't know when you'll see it. I don't know how you'll see it. But I know one thing you will always see, and that is surely his goodness and his mercy will follow you all the days of your life. He is Jehovah Ra, a good shepherd.